0: When you're building a product, who do you listen to? This is MegaMaker episode 61. Whoa! Hey Mega Makers, welcome back. It is April 17th, 2018. So sorry for uh, how long it's been since I've posted an episode. As some of you know, I have a new podcast called Build Your SaaS, as in software as a service, as in web apps, as in my new startup with John Buddha called Transistor.fm. And uh, the podcast is all about us building that web app in uh, you know this current age when it's been I don't know, since 2004 was when Basecamp released, um, sorry, when 37Signals released Basecamp. And yeah, we're just talking through the process of bootstrapping something from ground level. And we record a new episode every week. So if you want to hear me more regularly, that's the place to do it, saas.transistor.fm. Uh, You can also find that link in the show notes for today's episode. That'll be at podcast.megamaker.co. Anyway, I wanted to get back on the horn here, though, uh, because I want to kind of talk through something I've been writing. I haven't released it yet. And often when I speak things out loud, uh, this is actually a trick I use for a lot of my writing. When I kind of vocalize it, uh, that's where things become clearer that's when my writing becomes better i can often improve what i've written after i've said it out loud and uh, the topic is that it's when you're building a product whose opinion should you listen to you know it's it's hard to make things that people want uh, a band might record an album thinking their fans are going to love it but when they release it it doesn't do as well as the last album they recorded. A software company. This happens all the time. Might release a new feature, thinking, "Okay, this is it. This is what's going to hockey stick our growth." But then they deploy it, and users complain, or even worse, users don't care. Uh, bloggers. You know, a blogger can pour hours of research into a single post. This has happened to me lots. And thinking, you know, often I'll be writing something and I'll tell my wife or I'll tell, you know, uh, Paul Jarvis or Jared Drysdale and, you know, my friends. I'll say, you know, oh, this, this article is going to be so good. People are going to love it. And then I hit publish and I don't get any traffic on it. People don't care. And nobody really wants to be out of touch with their audience. But it happens all the time. Even big companies make these mistakes. Uh, the story that comes to mind is Apple's refresh of the MacBook Pro in 2016. You know, developers and video editors and other pro users were eagerly awaiting this new MacBook Pro. Had been a long time. I think I think 2013 was the last one, and you know, they were people were waiting for this thing to come out. And Apple did the keynote, and then. People got their hands on it, and it was pretty clear from the response that Apple had missed the mark, at least for a big percentage of those Pro users. Uh, Here's one tweet I found today. Utterly disappointed with the new MacBook Pro. The computer's way too expensive. New model removes USB, SD card slot, and MagSafe. And then there's a bunch of angry emoji faces. Um, Another one, here's Michael Hyatt, and he says, "...in all my years of using Apple products, I have never returned one, until now. Last month, I purchased the new MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. What a letdown. It's the first Apple device that actually made me less productive. The company has lost touch with Steve Jobs' vision for simple, elegant machines." So what happened? How how did Apple lose touch with what their customers really wanted? And I think they weren't listening or maybe they were listening to the wrong people. Leading up to that 2016 MacBook Pro event, um, Sasha Sagan, writing for PC Magazine, said, and I, this is almost exactly, I think, what most Pro users wanted. He said, to me, The most important aspect of the MacBook Pro is the pro part. The laptop should be a no-compromise workhorse for getting your business done on the road. I've been reading the rumors of what might be coming and going with some trepidation. Like many pro-level MacBook users, my biggest concern isn't about what Apple is adding, it's what they might take away. I choose a pro machine because it gives me the power, the ports, and the keyboard to get all my work done. And that that article came out uh, well before the Apple event when they launched the new machine. So if they were listening to their customers, you know, they would have heard a lot of these things. And of course, these aren't the only viewpoints on Apple's products. There are (laughs) many. And so the question becomes, as product people How do you know which voices to listen to and which to ignore? And that's hard because people are complicated. When you put anything out into the world, people will have opinions about it. And to make things more confusing, everyone seems to want something different. This is because people value different things depending on their context. People value different things depending on their context. So if we're thinking about laptops, think about what's most important to different groups. Students want a laptop that is affordable and lightweight because they've got to lug it to class and because they don't have much money. Programmers want a laptop with a high-resolution screen, lots of memory, and a full-size keyboard. Gamers, well, they want a CPU and a GPU with a lot of horsepower. And they also don't mind as much if the laptop is big and heavy. Now, even these examples are too general because a person's context has multiple dimensions. You know, some college students are rich. They've got the money for an expensive machine. Many programmers are assigned computers by their employers and don't have a say in what they get. Most gamers prefer a desktop machine because it's easier to upgrade individual components. So you could ask a programmer, hey, what's your dream laptop for dev work? And they might give you a truthful answer. But if their boss is buying the computer, it might not matter what the programmer thinks. Unless the boss is a good boss, in which case the programmer's opinion matters quite a bit. Do you see how this all gets complicated? This is why who you listen to matters quite a bit. So let's talk about who you should listen to and how you should listen. Now I'm going to give some advice, and I think some of you are going to disagree with it. I think some of you might yell into your, your iPhone or whatever you're listening to uh, when you hear it. Here's the advice. Only listen to the people paying for your product. Explore their context and find out what's important them. Now, this is what I think some of you are screaming. But some users don't pay for the product and their voices are still important. And I agree with you. I, too, want to build products that benefit the actual users. But ultimately, a business serves whoever's paying them. This is why Facebook and Google are always getting into trouble with privacy because The users of Facebook and Google aren't paying for the product. The advertisers are. And I think we've seen from Facebook and Google's actions that that's who they ultimately serve. That's where their allegiance is. It's in the pocketbook. So you've got to think about this. This is when you're building a product, you're ultimately building it for whoever is paying for it and what they value. Now, they might value what happens to the end user. Uh, for example, Joel Spolsky, founder of Fog Creek Software, cares quite a bit about what his developers want. So if you're trying to sell him laptops, you'd want to read his blog and figure out what he values. And in his case, he values treating developers well. He values giving them autonomy, letting them choose their machine and their chair and you know the tools they use every day. So if that's the kind of market you want, and you can find other dev managers that feel the same way as Joel, you've got yourself a pretty good market. But don't forget about who you're serving. You're always serving whoever's paying you. So if you're building a product and you're wondering, okay, well, who should I be listening to? This is the key point. You want to, first of all, serve a customer you care about I think because if if you can't respect uh, let's say again you're selling laptops and you can't respect the CTO that doesn't listen to his team and what they want then don't serve that market you have to have some founder market fit with the people you're serving number 2 only listen to the people paying for your product that means random people on twitter their feedback doesn't matter unless they're paying for the product. That means uh, folks that keep saying they're going to buy the product but never do, their opinion doesn't matter. Famously, Jason Freed said uh, he only listens to feedback from two types of customers, people who just bought and people who just canceled, because their opinion matters quite a bit. They're the ones who took out their wallet and bought the product, or they're the people that put their wallet back in their pocket and said, I don't want to pay you anymore. If you're building features or a product for anyone other than people willing to pay you, not just willing, but who have paid you, uh, that's, a, that's a fool's game. You'll, you will never be able to make a business out of that. You'll never uh, have any, get any sort of traction You're running around trying to please people that haven't proven to you that they're willing to be your customer. So how do you actually do this? Well, broadly, after you've found a customer you care about and you've listened to the people who are paying for your product, you want to explore their context by hanging out where they hang out. You want to You know, anytime you can get closer to the customer and actually see how they're living their life, that is a huge advantage. You know, if Apple had gone and looked at how people were using the MacBook Pros, in fact, I'm I'm using one right now. I have a USB webcam plugged in on one side. I have uh, Ethernet uh, plugged in on the other side through a Thunderbolt connector because I needed uh, when I do Skype calls I like relying on Ethernet, I've got a USB microphone plugged in, and then I have my headphones plugged in. Well, you know, if they could see how I live my life every day, maybe they wouldn't have removed all those ports. Or maybe they would have just made the transition from these old USB ports to USB-C a little better. You know, take care of the people who are using the product examine their context. In their context, does it make sense to just have one or two USB-C ports? In their context, what do they really care about? What do they really want in a pro-level machine? And so there I'm really talking about observing your customer, observing them in context, taking notes on how they really live their lives, on how they really do their work, uh, all of those things. And beyond observation, which I think is really important, you do want to do some interviews. You want to ask customers questions and really dig into that context we talked about. What's important to them? What are they struggling with? In what ways do they want their lives to be better? And going back to the Apple MacBook Pro example, we saw so much of this right after the announcement You know, there were lists of, you know, here's what we wanted in a pro-level machine, and here's what we got. And those lists didn't match up. And these are paying customers. These are people who have previously bought, you know, multiple generations of the MacBook Pro. And Apple comes out with a new model, and it almost shows that they value different things than what their users value. Users wanted more memory, more power, full-size keyboard, a a really good keyboard, all of the keys, don't take away my escape key. Um, A lot of users wanted that SD card slot. A lot of users wanted at least some more ports. And what they got was just a thinner, lighter machine with a touch bar. And that's why there was so much disappointment. That's why there was so much anger because the new offering didn't feel like a step forward. It felt like a step back. And it's funny, Apple got this right for so many years. And I I think it shows how difficult this is. Customers are a moving target. Their context changes and so what they care about changes. And that means you have to be constantly going back to ground level and figuring out where are they at now? What do they care about now? What do they want now? You can't just figure this out once and then, you know, just rest on that information for the rest of your life. You're going to have to do this over and over again. So that's what I have written so far. I would love to know what you thought about that. If you have, you know, uh, counter arguments or you'd like to hear more explanation on any of that, Reach out to me. Uh, you can get me at words at megamaker.co. Uh, on Twitter, I'm the letter M, the letter I. Justin, M-I, Justin. Also, if you're looking for a, a system for doing this work, I'm working on productvalidationchecklist.com right now. And it, it really helps you go through all of these steps, whether you're working on a new product or something that already exists. I've tried to systemize all of this research, all of the questions you should be asking yourself, and really um, you know, identifying what customers want. So product validation checklist. it's almost out. Thanks so much for listening again. I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, thank you for telling your friends about the show. Thank you for you know letting me know what you think about it. Thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes. All of that feedback makes the show worth doing i will see you again next time i release an episode talk to you then oh i almost forgot this show is hosted not toasted on transistor.fm that's my new podcast hosting startup that i'm building right now Uh, we have a waiting list up if you want to go check it out transistor.fm and uh yeah we've got 20 shows right now it's really exciting Um, be sure to check out saas.transistor.fm if you want to hear more about our journey. And also, thanks to striker-metal.com for the theme music. Okay, goodbye for now.